Okay, let's start off with a topic about vaccines and menstruation. So, Doc, this article says thousands of people in the U.S. think that they may have had other side effects that drug makers and doctors never warned them about. Unexpected changes in their menstrual cycles due to COVID vaccines. So, Doc, let's start off with, you know, looking at how important is having a regular healthy menstrual cycle. And what exactly does healthy mean in this case? I mean, uh, it's uh, basically, you know, the lady will have the cycles which are what we call regular. So everyone differs, but most of them will have maybe within three to five days. And they normally just use so much of pets each time they have a regular cycle. So anything that disturbs that, whether the number of days increase or decreases or the number of pets increase or decrease, so it's no more what they call regular. We normally don't use the word healthy. We just say whether it's regular or irregular mental cycle. And uh, of course, this could mean some underlying issues that be going on that is disturbing the menstrual cycle. So anything can be, you know, from uh, changes in weight, uh, even in your stress levels, uh, diet changes, hormonal changes, all these can affect mental, your menstrual cycles. Medication sometimes can affect, uh, you know, or other illnesses. Many illnesses can affect your menstrual cycle. But, but here they're talking of COVID vaccines. Yeah, and, so- uh, what yeah. could be in these vaccines that are causing this discrepancy or disruption? Yeah. I mean, we know the vaccine does cause inflammation. That's how the there's a, you know, body gets an inflammatory response because the mm-hmm. vaccine is there. And to also educate the immune system or the virus, you know, this virus is something alien. So, But when you get a reaction like that, it can cause inflammation in the body and that could disturb the mental cycle. But... A lot of things we still don't know. I think that not that the doctors didn't warn them. Probably the doctors themselves didn't know that some of the side effects that can occur with the vaccines. So mm. you have to wait and see as uh, you know more people get vaccinated. What other effects? And everybody is different. Some people, you know, after the vaccine, nothing. Some people mm-hmm. get very severe symptoms like you know severe headaches and body aches and fever. So I think everybody is different. But what does it do? I mean, in the long term, so is it something that we should be worried about? No idea because uh, it's a new vaccine. Uh, you know, the RNA technology is something new. So we have to just wait and see and see how it goes. It's supposed to be safe, but, you know, any of this, anything new, we don't know yeah. until much later whether there are any other side effects or not. But because of how serious COVID is, you have no choice but to take the vaccine. Yeah. So uh, this article says uh, the recent hot spell has us turning on air conditioning, (laughs) staying away from outdoor activities as if we need a reason uh, and consuming a lot more fluids. Uh, Dr. Gilberto Salazar, an associate professor of emergency medicine at UT Southwestern Medical Center, says rehydration doesn't always have to mean drinking water only. So, Doc, this article actually points to drinking coconut water, which we do quite a lot here, right? Uh, Fat free or skim milk, uh, green tea and fruit smoothies as alternatives. So what's your professional opinion on all of these? Uh, the only uh, worry here is that things like, you know, though green tea is a, a diuretic sort of effect, so you can actually lose more water. And a uh, lot of things like uh, fruit smoothies especially can increase your sugar levels if you are especially a diabetic, you know. So you have to be a bit careful because uh, uh, too much of fruit is still sugar so it's also if you are trying to lose weight then you don't want to take too much of uh, uh, fruit smoothies because that can affect your calories yeah i remember watching a survival show and then the guy says he was like stuck on an island or whatever it is and he started out drinking coconut and everything but long term that's also not very good for you is it 
I mean, he's taking uh, one coconut uh, drink, no problem. But he's got minerals, but he also has some sugar inside. Mm. So you wouldn't overdo it. Mm. So I think all these can be uh, added on, but still. Hydration is the best is through your water anyway. Yeah. Okay, so like here's the million dollar question. How much and how often should we be rehydrating? And is there such a thing as overhydrating? Basically, we, we, we don't use the word two liters a day, but some people talk about 33 meals per kg. That means if you are 60 kg, you would need about two liters. Oh, based on your weight. I see, I see. Okay. Yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah. And uh, there is such a thing as overhydrating. I remember I had a patient who, a lady who started taking, I don't know why, she started taking as much as 10 liters a day. Oh my God. Oh my goodness. Uh, and, yeah, and that was crazy. And she came with severe kidney failure because her kidneys became so big, overworking to get rid of that extra water. And they became very, uh, what they call hydronephrosis, they became very huge and ultimately they just gave up. So... Not overhydrated. The best is you're thirsty, drink water. If yeah. not, you know, at least stick to about two liters or according How to... How can you tell that? I mean, when, when your pee gets a bit too clear? Yeah, too clear. That means uh, if it's, uh, you know, very yellow, uh, dark, then you know you're not enough uh, yep, yep. You know, hydrating yourself. Mm. If it's just light yellow, that's the best. If it's very mm. white, then you're overhydrating. A study published by the Annals of the Rheumatic Diseases found that men diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis or other inflammatory forms of the disease have higher rates of infertility and involuntary childlessness. So, Doc, how does a condition that affects the spine and joints have to do with reproduction? Actually, no, rheumatoid arthritis is actually a a multi-system disease, you know. So, oh. you know, it affects the joints, but it can affect any system in the body, uh, you know, and uh, it causes just inflammation. So, it's autoimmune disease. So, it can cause uh, things like gastrointestinal problems. It can be associated even, uh, you know, lung issues. And uh, being an in- mm-hmm. inflammation, it probably can also affect your, you know, the sperm production and things like your, you know, inflammation of the, you know, your duct. So, all these can cause problems with your reproduction. That is fascinating. Mm. I never knew that because all I I always thought when it comes to arthritis is just like especially your hands and your feet. But now it's in the other regions as well. Are, are we talking about like like there are no joints there, right? Yeah, because this is this is uh, that is the one that affects you know with age and uh, with uh, degeneration osteoarthritis. So that's a different type of arthritis. I see. Rheumatoid arthritis is like an autoimmune disease. So so okay, this, okay. this can affect many systems in the body. All right. Anywhere there are cells, it can go. Yes, yeah, Doc? Yeah, it can cause inflammation. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Ouch. So how do we keep uh, rheumatoid arthritis at bay or under control? I mean, yeah, so all these autoimmune diseases, you know, we have a genetic predisposition. Uh, you know, uh, some of us will get it uh, because of our genes. But mm. uh, how do you keep it at bay? Just like any other autoimmune disease, lifestyle plays a big role. They say they again cutting off toxins, taking off processed foods, taking a lot of healthy. Oh, food. even if it's in your genes, you can still do all yeah, that. Yeah, basically we know that you can actually switch off those genes to reduce inflammation in the body, reduce the free radicals in the body, help your body detox better. So all that can actually sort of switch off the genes that can cause inflammation and this. All these autoimmune disease might actually become silent, and it's not. It's not easy, you know, uh, to have that sort of lifestyle. But yeah. people have done it. I got patients who have really we call it burnt out arthritis because they've changed their lifestyle and they somehow suppressed that inflammation wow. in the body. But so totally gone into remission then, like it's as if it yeah, never happened. Yeah, yeah, it gone into remission. They've been off their medication, which is good. But they are really fanatical about their lifestyle, so that's good. 
So I'm just wondering, that means if they did ever go back to their old ways, it would come back? Yeah, it will come back because you take off again. Wow, so it's all in your genes. That's why I always wear khakis. <laughs> So let's talk about teeth and cancer. So uh, according to studies by the Center uh, for Disease Control and Prevention in America, uh, warns that pain in the upper teeth, as well as loose teeth or dentures that no longer fit well, may indicate paranasal sinus or nasal cavity cancer. Doc, how common is this form of cancer and, and how treatable is it? Yeah, I mean, it's not uh, one of the commonest ones because we know that, uh, you know, like breast, lung, prostate and colon and all are the more common Even skin ones. skin cancer, but is it? Yeah, but it is there, you know, you get patients who get diagnosed with paranasal sinus, nasal cavity cancer. Uh, it's, I suppose, different from the nasopharyngeal cancer, which is more common in uh, our part of the world, NPC. Uh, and uh, the thing is, uh, how early you diagnose it, very important because if it's early, uh, in the early stage and the prognosis is better once it's, uh, you know, uh, spread more, of, of, uh, you know, especially if it's uh, metastasized and uh, definitely gets, uh, prognosis gets worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, so any of these symptoms, like, you know, pain in the upper teeth, most time we think it's, uh, you know, just a toothache or whatever, but of course any pain not going away, you have to quickly go and see a dentist and, uh, you know, then they will probably be able to diagnose whether it's something just a uh, infection there or is it something more serious. Mm. Well, talking about early diagnosis and stuff, how can we know if it's something serious or just your average sinus infection? Very difficult to self-diagnose, isn't it? So you have to go and see a, either a dentist or an ENT doctor and they will be able to diagnose this for you. So it's not that there's a particular smell or a particular feel because everyone feels pain differently, right? Yeah, very difficult. Especially in the initial stages, very difficult. Of course, once it gets more serious, then you, of course, can see the some uh, fungating mass there or some discharge. Of course, by then, it's uh, much more clearer. But in the early stages, with just pain, uh, you may not be able to diagnose. So that's why it's important to see someone. So generally, if someone has loose teeth, doesn't necessarily mean that they have nasal cavity cancer. Like just no, not necessarily. I mean, just with age itself, you know, you know has a gum sort of atrophy or dentures can get... Uh, loose, uh, so that's right. uh, uh, not the diagnosis. But pain, yes, something you know, shouldn't be having pain that doesn't stop. So that is a, a good sign to quickly go and get it checked. Doctor, this is uh, probably an article for all the boys out there. <laughs> but sweating <laughs> is a healthy, natural process that helps cool the body and prevent overheating. However, some people may experience excessive sweating of the face and the head, which could be a sign of an underlying condition called hyperhidrosis. What causes someone to sweat uncontrollably, and how concerning is this condition, Doc? So hyperhidrosis is like a you know again a genetic condition. Um, most of the time, they, are, they sweat a lot in the palms and the feet, you know. It can be really, really, the pour, water can be just pouring out yeah, and uh, can be quite distressing for them, you know, very difficult. Uh, so, uh, this is something that they have to get treated. Lah. Is it a mental thing, Doc? No, no, no. It's something that uh, the sweat glands are uh, hyperstimulated. Right. So, it's something to do with their, you know, genetic condition. It's uh, something that uh, have to, they have to see a skin doctor's uh, hyper dermatologists where they can do many things to try to reduce the condition from things like local antiperspirants or they've got other sort of electromagnetic therapies, uh, even Botox injections are some of the things mm. that they do. Uh, if it's all that doesn't work, then they've got a surgical condition called sympathectomy where most either cardiothoracic or vascular surgeons will cut that sympathetic nerve and then the sweating will stop. Where, where are they cutting? 
On the on the hand? <laughs> no, no. It's somewhere. It comes from the, near the heart there. That's why the cardiothoracic or the, the cardiovascular surgeon. Right. So these are the uh. people who. It's a minor procedure for them, but since it's somewhere near that part of the heart and all that, uh, it mm. must be done by someone who's an expert, lah. You just can't get right. anybody else to do. Yeah. Is there a line between being someone who just excessively sweats to actually having hypodrosis? Some of some people sweat more than normal, you know. Uh, so you know, if you, some people exercise, you can see they're just pouring away. But mm. once they stop exercising, they go back to normal. Then in a normal cold place, they are you know normal. They don't sweat like you know like a, a lot. Uh, but people hyperhidrosis, even in a cold aircon or whatever, they'll be just sweating away in the palms and their oh. you know their feet and even their head and face. But now the surgery that's like a last resort, isn't it? Uh, some people are very bad. Maybe that's something they want to look at seriously. You know. But not all people need surgery because all very different type of uh, hyperhidrosis. Some people have a very mild sort of where they sweat, but not so much. Some are really bad. I've seen patients who are really, really bad. They're just pouring water from their hands. So these people will benefit from surgery, and it's not quite co- commonly done in Malaysia. So we got people who surgeons who can do this.